Well, I'm excited about the topic we have for this summer series. Um, this, this July uh, is entitled, Stand and Fight. Our text um, is important, and uh, we will kind of stick with that text uh, throughout um, the series, I believe. And um, the title comes from the text and actually portrays uh, the essence of what that passage says. Now, I considered a different title. In fact, I tried to Sam and I tried to come up with some titles. And, and I really thought it would be great to have a title like, you know, Let's Get Ready to Rumble. But, you know, I can't say it. You know, you got to say it a certain way. And uh, then I come to find out that that phrase is copyright protected. And, um, and uh, Michael Butler, Buffer, rather, uh, he evidently legally you know, enforces that. He's pretty aggressive with that. And so uh, I figured rather than take a chance uh, and stand and fight, I would change and, and let that idea drop. And so uh, we just went with stand and fight. I think it's a good, uh, it, it kind of bears the idea of what we want to say. Um, have you ever noticed how many people like a good fight? Uh, you, you see some commotion going on and then you hear somebody yell, Fight! And it's like everybody migrates to that, where that fight is. They want, they want to see a good fight. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of why UFC has hit it off so well. You know, we guys like to watch the fight on a big screen. The bigger the better. And uh, so we like to watch that. And some people still like boxing. Um, has a good audience. And there are some people, maybe you're one of those, that, that really like professional acting. A.K.A. professional wrestling, all right? Uh, probably more the first than the other. Um, although, you know, th- those guys are big, aren't they? And um, I remember talking to mom this past week. Um, we had a couple of evangelists in our church. Dad was a pastor. And so we, back in those years, we kept evangelists in our house. And so I remember having a, a, a when I was a kid, we didn't, we didn't keep him. He, he was... Uh, Dad and mom weren't pastoring them, but I remember him coming to our church. He's a professional boxer, had been. And uh, I was fascinated as a kid that he'd be preaching and he, had a, he carried a handkerchief. And he would drop that handkerchief and about the time he hits the floor, he would, he would snatch it and, and grab that thing. And I thought, I was watching always, drop it, drop it, I want to see you do it again. And so watching him, and uh, he was preaching one time and his front tooth went flying. And he made a grab for it. And I think he knocked it down the aisle or something. Uh, so I, evidently it might not have been the best box where he lost some teeth. But um, then another, another uh, evangelist we did have in our home had been a professional wrestler. And uh, he, was, he was a lot of fun. I remember having him in our house, and, and I was so impressed. You know, even still, you know, he, would, he would pop that muscle down here, and it was a lot bigger than any muscles anybody I knew, just in his forearm. And he could jump rope faster than we could turn it. And we'd give him hots, and man, he just, big old guy just jumping. So anyway, these guys are, some of us acting, but these guys are still pretty tough. So if you like rest, wrestling, um, a little bit of it's true. It's most of it's, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm getting away from us. Back in the day, wrestling used to be really good. Anybody remember Johnny Rubberman Walker? <laughs> Anybody? Okay. He was, he was a good one. I liked him. He's 
little guy, but he was like, nobody could, could hold him. And he was in a, I got to change it, get back into a text. But anyway, people love watching a good fight, don't they? A few people love to fight. And I've told mom in the first service, kind of plug your ears over this uh, until I finish this part of the introduction to my series. Um, but, you know, it's actually too late for her to do too much about it anyway. Um, you know, she'd probably, I'm kind of immune to spankings, I believe. Um, but she used to do the switching, but that, that's another story. But the funny thing is, when I told dad uh, years later um, some of the stories of what I did when I was a kid in school, uh, even though he laughed about it, he, he said, yeah, I really ought to give you a spanking right now. <laughs> and uh, I did wait long enough for it not to happen. But, but I, I guess probably I and a lot of other students in our school back in Virginia uh, redneck school, I guess you'd call it back you know now uh, we, we were devoted many of our days to fighting in school, and sometimes right in the classroom in the middle of class. but it actually for me went back to first grade, and uh, I, I wanted cowboy boots to wear to school and it had nothing to do with style or fashion. It had everything to do with the sharp pointy toes that that inflicted more damage when you kicked and fought. And so I found out early on that the, the kids that had the big boots on could kick harder. And so I wanted the big, I wanted the same, I wanted the equal opportunity. So, so I wanted those boots. Well, then later on, uh, years later, a few years later, we were in fifth and sixth grade. And fighting was simply a part of the culture of our classroom. And so what we would do, we, we would actually text each other. And, and back then, texting, we would write on a piece of paper and pass a note in class. And so we would, we would pass this note. and we'd, It would say something like this, I'll be on your side in the fight in the bathroom today. And, and it was not something that we, we weren't defending a cause or settling an argument. It was just something that we did. And um, so the guy that you fought against yesterday might be the guy you fight with today. And it's not unusual for even your best friend to be uh, on the opposite side um, on a given day. And so we just fought every day. And, and I, I never expected, I never went into a fight expecting to lose. Now keep in mind, you know, I, I was not that little when I was in the fifth grade, all right? I was still growing a little bit. Stopped shortly after that. <laughs> I, was, I was the same size as everybody else. So uh, you know, put that in perspective. But I, I do remember losing one fight. And uh, that was with my best friend. Uh, I, I was sitting in class and he caught me off guard. I wasn't even looking. And he knocked me across the desk uh, onto my back and, and knocked the wind out of me. And then, he, then he, he wasn't considerate enough or polite enough to wait for me to start breathing again. He just jumped on me and started pummeling. And so I had to give him that one. And so that's one that I remember. I may have lost others, I don't remember. But there's one guy that I would not fight, did not fight, and that was Harry. For a long time, I wasn't sure if that was his real name or if that was his nickname, uh, found out uh, later on that it stood for Harold. So uh, he was the only fifth grader that I've ever known that had to shave every day. 
And I believe he probably was almost old enough to have a driver's license in the, in the fifth grade. Uh, because back in that day, the only way that you advanced to the next level in class was you had to pass the previous class's work. You had to pass. Um, he was a child left behind. Okay? <laughs> he was one child left behind. And, and you know, he, he, he did for several years. He obviously wasn't doing too well and held back. Uh, several years. So that would explain why anyone dumb enough to fight Harry would emerge from the bathroom with knots all over their face and head because he was much bigger and much older. But he and I rode the same bus. And uh, so his stop was only about a half a mile from mine. And so we were friends. And, and I always entertained the idea, the hope that in a pinch, he would actually stand up and fight for me. And so that optimism added a great deal of courage to my heart uh, during those fights in the bathroom. Well, interestingly and probably thankfully, Dad and Mom uh, actually took a pastorate uh, church down in North Carolina. And so uh, that necessitated a change of schools for my siblings and I. And uh, we quickly discovered that the culture of bathroom etiquette in North Carolina <laughs> differs a great deal from that of, of uh, Redneck School in Virginia. And so as I prepared for my first fight in the bathroom there, uh, my teacher... And I remember her, she was only four foot something, uh, but quite wide. And uh, I, she heard the commotion, and she yelled to the door, knock it off, or I'm coming in. And so, you know, we um, filed out of the bathroom, and, and she had this no-nonsense look on her face. And, and she was eyeing each of us as we walked out the door while she was swinging that two inch wide by two inch thick by 18 inch long paddle that she had in her hand. Now back in those days, the teachers looked for an excuse to use it and, and use it pretty frequently. That what? yeah, believe it or not, that, that was, uh, they could abuse you back then. And so anyway, I, adopt, I adopted the uh, North Carolina way of behaving and surprise, my, my grades improved significantly. So... Might have been correlation there. But if some of you are disappointed that your pastor fought like that when he was younger, uh, before you get too upset, uh, let me just inform you that you fight all the time too. You fight all the time. Probably almost every day you're fighting. Because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, whether you acknowledge it or not, you are in a fight. You are in a battle. And that's a good thing. And I want to encourage you to stand and fight. And, and I hope that through this series, we'll learn how to fight better against the enemy that is ours. And so it's good to read the text at this point. So let's consider the text that we will talk about uh, throughout the series. Uh, it'll be Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 20. But we will just cover the first four verses today. So I want to read with you uh, verse 10 through 13. And so Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers 
against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Perhaps one of the most misunderstood subjects in Christian teaching is uh, that of spiritual warfare. And it kind of makes sense because um, it, it occurs out of sight. It's in the spirit realm. And so you are called upon first to believe in something that you can't see with your physical eyes. And some people just simply will not believe in something they can't see. And Satan likes that because sometimes his greatest triumph is in causing people not to take him seriously. And so if people don't believe you exist, then they're not going to try to stop you. They're not going to try to oppose you. And so that might be one reason for some of the church's weakness in the area of spiritual warfare. Uh, We often, in fact, very rarely do we hear preachers preach on Satan, the devil. And who wants to? Who who really likes to? But as a result, I think sometimes we're ignorant of his strategy and of his power and, and of his army that he has with him and of his schemes, his plans that he has against the people of God. And so if we as ministers ignore this topic, then we do harm, I believe, to the body of Christ uh, who desperately need to be empowered and prepared for spiritual battle. Spiritual warfare is something that goes on 24 hours a day. Whether you believe it or not, it's happening. Wherever God is at work, satanic forces also are at work. The powers of hell are seeking to undermine and destroy everything that God wants to do in the lives of men and women and and children on the earth today. And so Satan is fighting you desperately, trying to destroy you and your destiny and your purpose as a child of God and to destroy your family. So the devil is serious about spiritual warfare. And so I think we need to be as well. Amen? Now, one thing I want you to understand from the very beginning, and and keep this in mind throughout the series, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you win. You are a winner. And so while we're talking about in this series about how crafty and devious Satan is, I never want you to, to... become overcome or dismayed or full of fear or panic about our spiritual enemy. Because even in the middle of this spiritual warfare in which we engage, never lose sight of the fact that the outcome is already settled. It's taken care of. As you trust the Lord, you will win and you are winning. Now, some of you are saying, thank you for telling me that, because I sure don't feel like a winner. Billy Graham wrote a good book um, a long time ago about angels and about the spiritual realm. And uh, I think it's in that book where he tells the story of a boxer who is fighting this really powerful opponent. And he was getting beaten up pretty badly. 
And so his nose was bloody and, and broken. And his, his lip was split and bleeding and his eye was swollen shut. And so at the end of that round, the, round, the, the bell rang and he got over to his corner and his trainer said, you're doing great. He, he, he's not even laying a hand on you. And so the struggling boxer looked at him out of his one good eye and he said, well, then you better keep your eye on that referee because somebody in that ring is beating the ever-living daylights out of me. And maybe that's how you feel. Maybe today even, you're saying, I feel like I've been whipped. The enemy is, is coming against me, and I feel like I am losing horribly spiritually. Well, if you're in that situation, I want you to know you, you will win, and you are winning. Because, listen, God is in control. We sang a few moments ago, he holds it all, Right? God is in control. And so Satan's defeat has been settled by the cross of Jesus Christ. And so he's a defeated foe. And keep in mind, Satan is not, he is not the counterpart of a, of a true God. He's not a wicked God as opposed to Jehovah God. Uh, he, he would like for you to believe that. But don't you dare give him that kind of credit because he doesn't deserve that. Uh, he is not God. At all. In fact, the scripture lets us know that Satan is a fallen angel. He's a created being. God, on the other hand, as we learned a couple of months ago, is self-existent. That's one of his attributes. And so he, he has no cause for his existence. Nobody created him, and no one can cause him to cease. So do you think God's worried about the devil? No way. And so, so understand, Satan... It's not like God. God's all-powerful. Satan has his limitations. Uh, God is, is omnipotent. So that's what makes him God. Now remember, the good thing is that we have God on our side. We have with us and for us someone far more powerful and a lot more strong than Harry in this fight. All right? We have God on our side. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We have Jesus Christ in us. We are in Him. He is in us. He is on our side. And so all of heaven is for us. We will win. Now, Martin Luther wrote a hymn that um, goes way back. Uh, it's called A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And one of the verses is this it says, Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Does ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Saboeth, his name. That word means Lord of hosts, Lord of the armies, heavenly armies is his name. From age to age the same, and he must win the battle. That's the one who is fighting in us and through us, and we will win. So be confident and courageous as you understand this, we will win. So even when it seems like you're getting beaten to death, you're winning. Amen? Well, thankfully, not every day is as bad as your bad days. In fact, uh, Paul seems to indicate that this is a fluctuating struggle, uh, that not every day is the evil day. 
Uh, he says, put on the armor of God so that when the evil day comes, you may be able to stand your ground. So I think what he's implying here is that uh, not all days are evil. Now, there'll be some times that'll be worse days than others. And you know what those are like. Uh, there are seasons in life when, when your problems uh, seem much more difficult and the pressures are more intense. And uh, there's, there's times that, that it seems like everything comes down at once upon you. Those are evil days. And uh, sometimes it may just be an actual day or it might be several weeks or it might be several months that you go through that. But thank God, all of life is not like that. Amen? I'm glad. Uh, not always are we under the extreme pressure uh, with all the demands placed upon us and all those circumstances that, that we have to make decisions all the time on those. Uh, and the reason those days are not all evil, the only reason, I believe, is the grace of God in our behalf. If it weren't for the grace of God, uh, every day in our lives would be evil and be very difficult. So God graciously intervenes and he holds back and restrains the powers that, that sometimes are against us. So allow us to have a breather, uh, to give us some time of refreshment and, and time of recreation and, and vacation. And whenever you get those times, realize it's a gift from God and thank him. Show your appreciation to God for the, the easier days that you go through in your life. And so when you're on vacation this year, uh, you ought to have on some Christian music. You ought to be praising God uh, because, hey, he's giving you a break. And, and really give him honor and glory and enjoy that. But we are in a struggle, varying in intensity at times. But this struggles from the time you become a child of God until the time God calls you home or the rapture occurs. That battle is ongoing. It will continue to take place. But this is what I want you to know. The only way you as a believer can lose in spiritual warfare is to refuse to fight. That's the only way. So that's why I, I want us to stand and fight. Stand and fight. Now, the next thought is important. If you were to ask most people uh, today, what, what is the thing that causes you the most concern and difficulty in life? Uh, or what do, you, what do you struggle with the most? Uh, the answers, obviously, would vary. And there would be some people who would say, well, my biggest concern is the Islamist. You know, the, the, the terrorists, they, they come in and stir up unrest and, and the, all these terrorist attacks and they're, they're moving into America. They're going to set themselves up. They're going to overthrow us and, and subject us to their laws and their will. That's my biggest concern. Others was, who are Republicans would say, you know, our biggest problem is the abomination that's ru ruining our nation. Um, or the Clintonites that threaten us you know, if they get elected. And then the Democrats would say, no, it's the Trumpettes. You know, if, if they get elected to office, you know, our country is done for. And so that's my biggest concern, you might say. And the others will say, well, my biggest concern and my biggest problem is my wife. Thank you for not saying amen, guys. You're smart. <laughs> Did you say amen? <laughs> 
and it's my wife and her family. I mean, she nags all the time. And, and, and that's my biggest problem. And she might say, well, no, it's the husband, you know, his family. They started out really being a gentleman when we were dating, but now he's, he's, a, he's a jerk. And so he's the problem. Or you might go on and say, well, no, it's, it's the neighbors. The neighbors, you can't get along with the neighbors. You, nobody get along with them. Or you might even go back and say, well, it's my ancestors. You know, it's not my, it's heredity. It's that Irish temper. That's the problem. Or, or whatever it is, yours might. And, and so we start thinking about what is my biggest problem in life? When we start coming out with answers like that, that is looking at life superficially. Because the Apostle Paul states that the conflict goes much deeper than any of that. It's not a human problem. He says the conflict is not against flesh and blood. It's not a struggle of man against man. Now, it might be a struggle within man, but it's not between men. And so he goes on to say, our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So behind the problems of this world and the evil that that shows up in people's lives, there's this hierarchy of evil spirits that Paul is talking about, an organized kingdom of principalities and powers at various levels of authority that rule in this present darkness. And so they're they're opposed to God, and they're and, and against God's purposes as well as against God's people. That, that's where the battle is engaged, against those spiritual forces. And so it's against those invisible, unseen realm of, of forces that uh, we are aligned in battle. And we're instructed to stand and to struggle and fight against those. One day in Capernaum on the Sabbath... Jesus was amazing the people with his teaching in the synagogue when a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Do you ever wonder why Jesus silenced the demons in the Gospels and wouldn't allow them to speak? Now, it would be one thing if what they were saying was not true. But in fact, he was the Holy One of God, and he had come to destroy them. So why would Jesus not allow them to bear witness to who he, who he truly was? And there might be several reasons for it, but, but one reason is this. Jesus did not want the testimony of a liar. Jesus didn't need Satan's testimony. He had God's word, that this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He had the Old Testament scriptures that identified who Jesus was. John the Baptist, uh, this one's greater than me. This is, this is the one you're waiting for. His own works showed who he was. And eventually his followers 
uh, identified him as who he was, the son of God. But who would want the witness of one whose character was that of a liar? And so Jesus later put his finger on the problem in our world when he said to certain men in his day, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So in that passage, Jesus strips off Satan's disguise and reveals his true character. He says, Satan is a liar and a murderer. And what the devil does is because of who he is. He, is, he lies because he's a liar. And he destroys because he's a murderer. And so he goes about deceiving and destroying. Jesus says he is the one against whom we struggle. Now the devil certainly has the attention of the world today, doesn't he? Actually, the scriptures calls him the God of this world. And so in this present world system for a limited time, uh, in a limited way, he is the God of this world. And so, you know, when I find myself here lately trying to figure out what in the world is going on in our country and in our world, and why are people so blind and so clueless of what is really going on? And, and we live in a day where uh, the good is bad and the bad is good. And we think, why in the world? How in the world can this happen? It's because the world listens to Satan. It listens to everything he says. But the devil cannot tell the truth because he is a liar and a very clever liar. So he gives this beautiful, attractive lie that the world swallows hook, line, and sinker. And so the reason our world is in such a condition is because people are listening to the lies of our spiritual enemy, of Satan. His intention is to destroy and to kill and to deceive. If he can't deceive you, he'll try to destroy you. If he can't destroy you, he tries to deceive. So he is your enemy. He is the one that we fight against. Now the question is, how do we handle this struggle? There's only one way. And that is, as Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord. You say, well, man, I'm in trouble. I'm in big trouble because I absolutely do not feel strong right now. In fact, I feel weak as a kitten, exhausted, discouraged. And if that's you, you're actually in good company. Because on one occasion, the Amalekites raided and burned Ziklag. And they took the women and children captive. And David found himself at an all-time low. And the scripture says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. Now, I mentioned in the first service, it's kind of interesting that nothing is said about the men being bitter about their wives being taken captive. It was their sons and daughters. 
But David found strength in the Lord, his God. David found strength. And this is a good translation. The King James says David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. But the word strengthen is in the passive voice, which indicates that action is being taken upon it. And so the idea is that David made himself available to and was strengthened by an outside force, which was the Lord. The Lord strengthened him. Listen, you can't empower yourself to fight and win in the spiritual warfare. You cannot overcome this spiritual struggle in your own power. You've got to be willing to surrender to the Spirit of God and allow yourself to be strengthened. You've got to be continuously empowered with this union that we have with Christ. And we'll talk more about this as we talk about putting on Christ uh, later on. Uh, But out of this union with Him and the Spirit of God, uh, our strength is derived from Him. And so spiritual battles are not natural. And so they require supernatural spiritual strength. Now think about this. You and I are totally inadequate and we're doomed to defeat if we attempt to take on invisible spiritual forces in our own strength. So oftentimes we, never, we don't see what they're doing. We, don't, we, we cannot overcome the spiritual, in the spiritual realm just in our physical might. And so we have to recognize and we have to believe that in Christ we have all the strength that we need and that he will empower us and that we will win the battle. Even when you feel totally inadequate, you feel so weak, remember that Paul teaches us that God's resources are most available to us when we are at the weakest. Then he makes us strong. And so when you acknowledge, you know, God, I can't handle this situation in my own self. And you begin to trust him in faith and believe him, begin to, to respond the way he wants you to, then Christ in you will win the battle for you. Hallelujah. So be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's the starting point. Then he says, put on the whole armor of God. And we'll talk about that on another, uh, another time. But it's important to keep in mind, don't try to reverse the order. Don't try to put the armor on first. And he says, no, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. You can take a weak man who can barely stand and put the best armor you can find on him. He's still going to be defeated. And so before you arm yourself, Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Let his mighty power be at work in your life. Before a soldier is given a gun and sent into battle, he has to go to basic training, right? And part of basic training is to build him up and strengthen him physically. And they get the soldier strong enough, then they can put some weaponry in his hand and and he can use it. And so start out by be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, then put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Stand and fight. That's the only way to handle the battle, the struggle in which we are engaged. Amen.
if the band wants to come up, uh, just to give you something to talk about uh, to my wife when you leave the service today. I know it's the first service mentioned this on occasion, uh, but the NIV is a kind uh, translation of standing against the devil's schemes. Uh, the, uh, the NIV is a good translation. The NIV, I think the King James says against the wiles of the devil. And uh, some of you know that my wife's maiden name is Wiles. And so, uh, just jokingly, I said, yeah, it's just the wiles of the devil, you know, coming out. So you might want to just say, you know, you're not really like that. And she really isn't. But she likes the NIV. What Paul has given us is a call to intelligent combat. And he is saying to us, it's time to be men. And women, that means stand up and be strong as well. Fight the good fight. Stand fast in the faith. And be strong in the Lord in the midst of battle. Paul's challenging us to a fight. Let's get, he says, it, it, it demands courage. And it does. In spite of the fact that we know that we are destined to win as a child of God, it still takes courage to fight. So he says, stand and fight. The only way to lose is to refuse to fight. And so let's get it on. All right? You ready to fight? Let's get ready to rumble. Amen. Let's put the devil in his place with the power of Jesus Christ flowing through us. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mighty God, we're so thankful that we're a child of yours. And that, Lord, we are made aware of the fact that we are in this conflict, we're in this battle. You haven't left us to fight in our own effort or strength, our own terms. God, you've talked to us about how that we can overcome and how that we are victors through Jesus Christ. And so God, I pray that throughout this series today that we've introduced this morning that we will learn to fight, to stand, to take the victory that is ours through our victorious King and Lord. So God, teach us to stand. Teach us to fight against the enemy that you identify for us over the next few weeks. Give us continued victory as we trust you and believe you. And we know, God, the outcome. We know that we are winners through Jesus Christ our Lord, and we rejoice in that today. We thank you. We bless you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.